We meet today in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to verse 6. We're talking of the church as the body of Christ. And in this subject today, we are looking at God the Father who planned the church. We now come to the second major division of the first chapter. It begins with the most marvelous verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Now we notice something that is very important here. He has blessed us. We praise him with our lips because he first made us blessed. Our blessing is a declaration here. His blessings are deeds. We pronounce him blessed. He makes us blessed. The word blessed actually has in it the thought of happiness and joy. By the way, God is rejoicing today. He is happy because he has a way of serving you and he can bless you. It says he has blessed us. I can't think of anything more wonderful than this. He is not speaking here of something that may be ours when we get to heaven but of something that is already ours right now. And we are blessed in the heavenly places. The heavenly places means the sphere of spiritual rather than physical activity. It is the locale of every spiritual blessing of Christ seated at God's right hand. That is what we will find in verse 20. It is also the locale of every spiritual blessing when we think of Christians who are seated with Christ, verse 6, even of angelic beings learning the wisdom of God from the church, and then of Christians' welfare against the spiritual horse of wickedness. That's what chapter 6 will talk about. Now here we are blessed with all spiritual blessing, and it is in the heavenly places. Mark that it does not say that these blessings are with Christ. Right now, you and I are seated in Christ. He has blessed you in the heavenly places, and you are there regardless of what your position is down here on earth. Your practice down here may not be good, but if you are a child of God, you are already in Christ. The fact of the matter is, you are in the heavenly places in Christ, even when we are even when you are down here in the earth's dumps, everyone who is in Christ is seated in the heavenlies in him. That is the position which he has given to us. Isn't that encouraging? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we praise him. Why? Because he has blessed us. He has blessed us with all the spiritual blessings. By the way, the parallel here is Joshua in the Old Testament. We saw in the study of that book that Canaan was given to the children of Israel by God. Canaan is not a picture of heaven. Canaan is a picture of where you and I live today. It could never be heaven because there were enemies to be fought and battles to be won. Down here is where the battle is being fought. When we get to heaven, there will be no more battles. The interesting point here is that God gave them Canaan. All they had to do was lay hold of their possession, 
God told Joshua, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I have given to you, as I said to Moses. Joshua 1 verse 3. Joshua could say, Well, Lord, you have already given it to us. You let us walk in it and take it. When you come to Christ, you have everything in him, my friend. Don't come and tell me today that I have to wait until later on, that I have to wait for the Holy Spirit to give me something special. For example, even a second baptism, a second touch, as people would say. I have it all in Christ. When you tell me that I did not get everything in Christ, you are denying what Christ did for me. I got everything when I came to him. Now, there are two ways to treat these blessings, which are actually our spiritual blessings, our spiritual possessions. Either you lay hold of them or you do not lay hold of them. Now, God wants you to know that you have been blessed with all spiritual blessings. He hasn't promised us physical blessings. Obviously, these come to us as he sees fit. But his promise here is specific. They are spiritual ones. And these are in the heavenly places in Christ. My friend, you are not going to have any spiritual blessing actually in this life that doesn't come to you through Christ. All of them have to come through Christ because you are blessed in Christ. That's just how important he is. He has not only saved us, but he is also the one who blesses us. How we need to lay hold of him today and to start living our lives as children of God should. We now come to a very important section. We are in that division of the outline which states that God the Father planned the church. You would not build a house today without a plan. So God planned the church. The church did not come haphazardly. What is God's plan? What did God do in planning for the church? We find in this section that he did three things. One, he chose us in Christ. He predestined us to the place of sonship. And thirdly, he made us accepted in the beloved. Now, I know that we have come to a passage of scripture that is difficult. You will have to get up the loins of your mind because this is a very strong passage of the word of God. We are going to talk about election and about predestination. These are two words that are frightening, but they are Bible words, and they have a meaning which is important for all of us to see. Ephesians 1 verse 4, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now, this verse and the verses that follow are essentially the most difficult verses in scripture to grasp. God's multiplied blessings to the believers are consistent with the fact that he selected them in eternity past for himself. That is found in Romans 8 verse 29. And he also predetermined that they should be a part of his own family through adoption. Romans 8 verse 15. Now, Ephesians 1 verse 4 begins with the statement, just as, and just as is a connective which modifies the preceding statement in verse 3, or 
according. Now, the spiritual blessings which you and I are given are in accord with the will of God. All is done in perfect unison with God's purpose. This world and this universe will operate according to the plan and purpose of the Almighty God. Just as looks back to the three-in-one blessing of the last verse, there are actually and ought to be three ins in verse 3 there. There is, first of all, in all spiritual blessings, which are then wrapped in the heavenly places and finally put in the larger package in Christ. So you have three ins in verse 3. The whole thought is now, open your gift and see what God has done for you and then move out in faith and lay hold of it and live today on the high plane to which God has brought you. So just as you are blessed like this, now enjoy the blessings. God has made you a son. He has made you his child and he has blessed you with the spiritual blessings. We need to live like that in the world today. Now all this was according to God's plan. God the Father planned the church. God the Son paid for the church. And God the Holy Spirit protects the church. The source of all our blessings is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He carries our mind back to eternity past to make us realize that salvation is altogether of God and not of ourselves. You and I are not the originators or the uh, promoters or the consummators of our salvation. God did it all, my friend. So the verse says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. God planned our salvation way back in eternity before you and I were even in this world at all. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one who came down in time and he brought our salvation and he purchased our salvation upon the cross when the fullness of time had come. God the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us today. He brings us to the place of faith in Christ and to a saving knowledge of the grace of God that is revealed in the Lord Jesus Christ. God chose believers in Christ before the foundation of the world, way back in eternity past. That means you and I didn't do the choosing. He did the choosing. And he did not choose us because we were good or because we would do some good thing. But he did choose us so that we could do some good. And now the entire choice is thrown back upon the sovereignty and the wisdom of God. His goodness alone. It was Charles Spurgeon who once said, God chose me before I came into the world because if he had waited until I got here he never would have chosen me that is a sobering thought my friend it is God who has chosen us we have not chosen him the Lord Jesus said to his own in the upper room you did not choose me but I chose you John 15 verse 16 Dr. Campbell Morgan commented that puts the responsibility on him my friend if he did the choosing then he is responsible. 
That makes it quite wonderful, by the way. Israel also furnishes us an example of this divine choosing. Amos 3 verse 1 and 2 says, Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family, which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth, therefore I will punish you for all your iniquities. God chose Israel in time. He chose the church in eternity. Since God made the choice in eternity, there has not arisen anything unforeseen to him which has caused him to revamp his program or change his mind. He knew the end from the beginning. Acts 15 verse 18 tells us so. God did all this for a purpose. And we are told that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. You see, God chose us in order to sanctify us. He saves us and he sanctifies us that we might be holy. That's the positive side of his purpose. It has to do with the inner life of the believer. A holy life is demanded by God's election. Not only did God elect us in order that we should be holy, but also that we should be without blame. Now this is the negative side. The believer in Christ is seen before God as without blame. Again, we see an example of this in Israel. God would not permit Balaam to curse Israel or to find fault with his people. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord, his God, is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. Numbers 23, verse 21. Yes, but if you had gone down there into the camp of Israel, you would have found that God did find fault with them, and he judged them. He was sanctifying and purifying that camp. Now God has chosen you in order that he might make you holy and in order that he might make you without blame. It means that your life has been changed. If there is no evidence of change, then you are not one of God's elect. God wants his children to live lives which are not marked or spotted with sin. He has made every provision to absolve them from all blame. First John 2, verse 1 and 2. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. He chose us in him. He chose us in him. Again and again, the word of God emphasizes God's sovereign choice. The interesting thing is that election and sanctification seem to go together and they are both in the Lord Jesus Christ. If God has saved you, he hasn't saved you because you are good, but because you are not good. Paul puts it in such a marvelous way. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then, it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God 
that shows mercy. Romans 9 verse 14 to 16. You see, Moses had gone to God in prayer and God answered, Moses, I am going to hear and answer your prayer. But it is not because you are Moses and the deliverer. It is because I will show mercy on whom I will and I will show compassion on whom I will. It is not to him that wills or to him that works, but it is I who shows compassion. Now, do you want to experience the compassion of God? Then you will have to turn to him. Someone else has explained election like this. On the door of heaven from our side, it says, Whoever will may enter. I am the door. By me, if any man, any man, that means you, my friend. And you can come in and find pasture and find life. When you get on the other side of the door, some day in heaven, you are going to look back and on that door, you will find it written, chosen in him before the foundation of the world. That is amazing. I haven't seen that side of the door yet. Therefore, I give God his right place. Since he is God, I give him the right plan. His church, I simply go to him. You see, God has planned the church. After all, this universe is his, and the church is his church. What is his plan? Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. In other words, in love are not connected with verse 4, but actually with verse 5. In love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ, to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Ephesians 1 verse 5. Now, the word predestination is one of the most wonderful words we have also in scripture. And this, a glorious section by the way. We are trading on the mountain tops in the book of Ephesians. We are in eternity past when God planned the church. I wasn't back there to give God any suggestions or tell him how I wanted it done. But he is telling me how he did it. God has done three things for us. However, in planning the church, first of all, we have seen that he chose us. And that's a pretty bad pill for us to swallow. Secondly, the father predestined us to the place of sonship. Thirdly, the father made us acceptable into the beloved. Now here in verse 5, we come to the next thing which God did. In love, having predestined us. Now, some are going to say that they never knew you could get predestination and love together, even in the same word, let alone in the same verse. But here they are. God's love is involved in this word, which has been frightful to many people. The word predestination literally means to define, to mark out, to set apart. It means to horizon. If you go outside and look around, especially if you are in a flat country, you only can see the horizon. You are horizoned. You are put in that area. When it refers to God now, predestination has to do with God's purpose, 
with those he chooses. Predestination is never used in reference to unsaved people. God has never predestined anybody to be lost. If you are lost, it is because you have rejected God's remedy. That is a sober thought, my friend. It is like a dying man to whom the doctor offers a curing medicine. If you take this, it will heal you. The man looks at the doctor in amazement and says, I don't believe you. Now the man dies and the doctor's report says he died of a certain disease. And that's accurate. But may I say to you that there was remedy and he actually died because he didn't take the remedy. God has provided a remedy, my friend. Let me repeat. God has never predestined anybody to be lost. That's where your free will comes in. And you have to determine for yourself what your choice will be. We are predestined to adoptions as sons by Jesus Christ himself. Adoption means that we are brought into the place of full-grown sons. We actually dealt with this when we talked about it in the epistle to the Galatians. But it implies two very important things. Adoption into sonship means regeneration. Regeneration. We have been regenerated by the Spirit of God. The child of God has been born again. First Peter 1 verse 23. Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. A believer is born again into a new relationship. That is what the Lord Jesus meant when he told Nicodemus that he must be born again. Adoption also means a place of position and privilege. When we are saved, we are born into the family of God as a baby in Christ. But in addition, we are given the position of an adult son. We are in a position where we can understand the word of God, the Father, because he has given us the Holy Spirit as our teacher. Ephesians 1 verse 6 To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. Since all is for the glory of God, Paul sings this glorious doxology, this wonderful psalm of praise. All is done on the basis of his grace and the end is the glory of God. The inception is grace. The conception is adoption. The reception is his glory. By which he has made us accepted in the beloved. Who is the beloved? Of course it is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the Lord Christ who said, Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may Behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. John 17 verse 24. You see, God sees the believer in Christ and he accepts the believer just as he receives his own son. That is wonderful, my friend. That is the only basis on which I will be in heaven one day. I cannot stand there on the merit of Asafa Makanga. I am accepted only in the beloved, in Christ Jesus. God loves me just as he loves Christ because I am in Christ. Jesus said, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one 
and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. John 17 verse 23. There has been therefore a threefold work performed by God the Father. He chose us in Christ. He predestined us to the place of sonship. He has made us accepted in the beloved. It is all to the praise of the glory of his grace. He is the one who gets the praise. He is the one who did it all. I am tempted to say, praise the Lord. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send an email to info at twrafrica.org. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me repeat that email address for you. Info at twrafrica.org.